Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today's episode is all about fun, fear, creativity, and midlife change with comedian Katie Goodman. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. The topic today is all about the huge range of emotions that go with being a creative loving a lot of stuff, and making a big change in midlife when you don't have all the answers. Today, we're talking to Katie Goodman, someone who basically loved her art, the art of comedy, the art of theater, but didn't love the field so much anymore and knew she needed a change. She was sensing she had different goals now and was in a bit of what I like to call a midlife funk. Let me tell you more about my amazing guest today. Katie Goodman is an award-winning comedian, an executive life coach, and author. Katie's work in comedy has amassed over 3 million online views. She can be seen on Showtime, True TV, and more often than she would admit, in line getting a mocha latte with extra, extra whipped cream. Katie literally wrote the book on using improv comedy to improve your life. Her show, Broad Comedy, plays off-Broadway and tours nationally. Her love for self-help and comedy lands her career somewhere between Tina Fey and Deepak Chopra. (laughs) Her work has been celebrated by Ariana Huffington, Leslie Stahl, Time Out New York, and her Pilates teacher in Brooklyn who says she's getting better. Besides her own book, Katie's writing can be seen in O, The Oprah Magazine, and The Huffington Post. Katie holds a degree in philosophy from the University of Pennsylvania and was nominated for the MacArthur Genius Grant for her work in theater. She got beat out by an astrophysicist who discovered the multiphase liquid behavior of nuclei, but better luck next time. Through her training and speaking, Katie has taught over 10,000 people how to use the tools of improv comedy in their lives to handle absolutely anything, be more creative, courageous, and confident. When she's not at home in New York City, Katie can be found traveling the country for speaking events, comedy shows, creativity for life retreats, and live corporate workshops and trainings teaching participants how to thrive at handling anything that comes their way. Sounds like fun, right? Let's dive in. Enjoy this episode. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. I'm so happy to see you again. Oh, it's so fun. So Katie and I first found each other online. She was a podcast listener. (laughs) So great. And we did some coaching together. And um, I just love Katie's story and her energy and her talent. And right now she's a woman in the middle and she's making some changes. So it's a really great time to check in because when you want to make changes, it can be stressful and confusing. And so we'll go all into the, all of that. <laughs> There's so many more adjectives and exhausting. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the pandemic uh, just complicated things. That's yeah. for sure. So tell me, let's start out with why you're looking for a change. What's been going on in your life? What have you been doing? All of that. Take it away. (laughs) I have like the ultimate hyphenated, um, you know, slash career. So I've had so many different things I do. And I think I got a little uh, ahead of myself with doing too many. Uh, They all involved 
gathering large groups of people indoors. <laughs> so they were not, a, it was not a great pandemic for me. Um, so I'm a, you know, I'm a comedian and we do shows and we tour around the country, which involves airplanes and um, also a speaker. Um, and I also own a theater camp with 300 crazy kids, although that one was outdoors. So that kept going. And it was just, you know, I really, I mean, when people talk about during the pandemic, things coming to a screeching halt. I mean, it was a screeching halt. I, wow. I learned to cook. I learned to paint. <laughs> I had every hobby for about a year so I wouldn't lose my mind. Um, all while trying to get my kid, um, uh, you know, flown um, so now we're empty nesting. So it's been just a one-two punch of um, so many different things. Um, obviously, we are safe and had it, you know, pretty easy and great um, logistically in terms of, you know, we had a house and we were, you know, and my kid did okay and all that. Um, but you know, there was it was just a sort of a reckoning of um, when you're forced to stop doing something for two years, you kind of go. Is this, you know, do I want to go back to exactly how I was doing it before? Mm, I know such an opportunity once we allow ourselves to see that yeah. the the pandemic really did force a lot of us to do some thinking. And um, yeah, so one thing you mentioned in your notes when we were preparing for the interview, you talked a little bit about performance stress and the constant hustle mm. and how it just didn't hold meaning anymore. Can you go into that right. a little bit? Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm definitely not a household name, but um, I had reached a level as a comedian and um, with my show Broad Comedy, which is a, a troupe of women that travels around. We do fundraisers for Planned Parenthood and other causes. And I kind of reached this point where we were still, we, we had done an off-Broadway run and it was great. And it didn't really lead to anything as these things do. You know, so many of my friends have been on the on the tonight show and the joke is you're on the tonight show and then you're on the tomorrow show which is not absolutely the same your life does not change overnight anymore the way things used to you're endlessly hustling i mean you know as an author and we're all just it's constant yeah and so i just kind of thought you know as a i mean as a coach myself a creativity coach i love thinking about like well really pulling apart what the goal is and if the goal is to have certain feelings like pride and fun and excitement, enthusiasm, you know, engagement, connection, like those are my biggies, joy. Um, you That doesn't have anything to do with quote unquote success, but we're trained that it does, especially in the arts. You know, if you're not, if you don't have like the name up there in lights or um, however many likes or whatever on social media, then there's, then it means you didn't get there or wherever there is. And I realized everything mm. I wanted, I already had. Mm. So that's great. It just didn't look like what I was expecting. And of course, Susie, this is what I teach. You know how coaches were so terrible at coaching ourselves. So, <laughs> you know, I teach people like give up the specific goal. This is, these are the tools of improv, you know, um, <laughs> but it was very hard to kind of notice it in my own life. So I, uh, this sort of a circuitous way of saying, I basically felt that I was already doing everything I wanted to do with the comedy. 
Um, but you know, during the pandemic, I couldn't do it. So we had to come up with different ways. I mean, we pivoted endlessly with Zoom shows and everything. Um, but I also, and what I think your question is, what I'm doing right now is switching um, up to my 18th career um, to do more filmmaking. And that's really exciting to be, I mean, I'm studying, I'm taking courses. I have a mentor who's a cinematographer who I love. I have another woman uh, who's a producer and they are meeting and talking with me weekly. Um, and it's so much fun. And I just realized that was what was really missing was the sort of learning curve. Mm -hmm. I've been doing the same comedy show, even though it was new material every year, I was doing the same thing for 20 years. Absolutely. And you know what? That is why so many of us end up in a midlife funk in the first place. Mm. And, you know, some, you might call it a midlife crisis. You might call it uh, a midlife identity check-in. You might call it a wake-up <laughs> so call. But I think in the end, I settled on midlife funk because, mm. I don't know, like a crisis just didn't feel right to me. When I think of crisis, yeah. I go to the cartoon stereotype from our youth you know, with some, I don't know, I don't remember which cartoon character I loved who actually had a midlife crisis, but it was <laughs> a red convertible for sure. Um, yeah, but you're off. something is off. Something's not in alignment. And it makes so much sense that when you've been doing the same thing for decades yeah. and you're dynamic and you're a creative person, that change is inspiring. Change is exciting. Change is also scary. Yep. It changes growth. Like yeah. growth is when you're moving forward, you're doing something new and it, yes, it's scary. And yes, it's exciting. And I yeah. think really doing something for 20 years. I mean, that was me too. It's a long time to be doing something and we do crave more. And sometimes more is a learning curve. It is yeah. a challenge. It is working with different mentors to just have different ideas and different responses and different opportunities, all of that. So when, like, when did you realize that mm -hmm. that part of it was so exciting? Well, I'd always um, wanted to do it. I mean, my very first jobs out of college were on film sets. And, um, you know, I used to audition and all that. So both as an uh, actor, director, and writer. So again, I'm still doing too many things, but, <laughs> um, but in this new field. And I kind of got out of it because the the industry's rough, right? And it's hard. And they're back 25 years ago, there were so few women directors, so few women writers, not the greatest parts in the world. So it was less what I wanted to be doing. And that's why I created Broad Comedy. My husband and I write it together. You know, I could choose what parts I wanted, what we wrote, who I did, who was in it, how to direct it and how to do it. And having all that, um, self-directedness was wonderful. And I really love that. So as an entrepreneur, like that is very high on my list of needs. And I think kind of to bring this back to the original thing, one of the things that was hardest about making this decision to really double down this year was that I, you know, I'm 54. And I think the sentence in my head, and it is there all day, every day is, why are you starting this now? You should have started sooner. How far do you think you're going to get? You're not going to get anywhere. I mean, it's relentless. And I am not a like self-hating, insecure person. But so is it more? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, so many of us have it. Is it you should have started this earlier, sooner? Or is it I'm too old to start it now? I think it's I'm too old to start it now because mm. I know that I didn't want it sooner. 
So more the thought is like, well, how far are you going to get? And then that's when it comes back to, I'm halfway through this process of really shifting my thoughts on that generally, like I was saying before, where it's like, I don't care. (laughs) I don't need to have to be okay. I don't need to have like a certain amount of success. So then the trick is, well, it's, you know, it's hard to quote unquote, break into this industry. However, we're also, and this is so true of so many fields right now as entrepreneurs, it's so wide open. There's streaming, there's YouTube movies, you know, now, I mean, anyone can really, um, it's very democratic. So that's wonderful. So what I I'm kind of working my head around. You can hear I'm stumbling a little bit because I haven't actually verbalized it. I love this. A couple months. (laughs) No, I was really excited to talk to you about this because it's not all signed, sealed, and delivered. This is is reality. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think I'm going to be producing my own stuff and in a few years, we'll have my own production company. But at the moment, I just shot my first um, real piece last uh, two weeks ago with my broad comedy cast. So there was a lot of knowns. Mm. You know, my husband wrote it. I knew the cast. I was um, in it for a minute. And um, this was my mentor who was the cinematographer. And it was so much fun. It's a, it's a, a story about um, a scene of a therapy group for women named Karen. Oh, <laughs> and they all are named Karen and their lives are, you know, turned inside out by this. And then one actual Karen just shows up <laughs> and my husband wrote a very funny scene, but it was in the round, which is very tricky to direct. Like that's a hard one to do as your first thing. Um, so it was just so much fun. And I was there eight hours. I mean, I was lit up. I was just like, I couldn't sleep the night before. Like when's that happened? You know, the last, I love that. It was so great. And, you know, I was in a little bit of a panic in the last 20 minutes, trying to finish, get everything in. And, um, my cast was so lovely as they always are. And it was so fun. And now I'm sitting here with like hours of footage I have to edit, but it's just the learning curve is so high. And I just, it was 100%. I came out going this, this I want to do. Mm, that's literally no question. Talk about amazing data. So I have yeah. a question for you. Mm-hmm. I've noticed from what you just said, you're asking yourself a terrible question. Yeah. So your brain is, is working hard to answer the terrible question. What if you asked yourself a better question? Like, what if this is the perfect time for right. me to be doing this? Yes. And I think I actually have an answer to that. <laughs> Let's hear it. I am. Um, when I was younger, had I gotten into this field, I think I would have had to deal with all the things, the way the field was sort yes. of like, right. Especially as an actor, a lot of like endless, you know, self-hate for, I mean, it's just very difficult to go out for auditions all day, every day and things like that, or even to become a director. And I think the time what I got to do for 25, oh gosh, more than that years is I got to write, direct and act all, yeah. all year. Yeah. And I got to do what I wanted to do and build my skills. And one of my girlfriends who actually is a, she writes on a really big TV show. And I said to her, I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? You know, I, I, I have not been on a set in years and years, decades. And she said, very seriously. And she's like a really big deal. (laughs) Like she really already, she really is in the profession deep in it. And she said, you're going to do what you've always done just on a set instead of a stage. And she's like, it's the same thing. 
you're in your fifties, you know? And she was like, you're taking all that understanding of, of comedy and writing and working with people and telling actors what you want from them and understanding story. She's like, you know, a 22 year old doesn't have that. That's exactly right. And this is the thing that I'm going on and on about in this podcast is that you're not just (laughs) older. You're older and wiser. You're older and wiser. So yeah, you haven't been twiddling your thumbs, eating bonbons, watching wallpaper, uh, or what is that? Watching paint dry, whatever. (laughs) Wallpaper peel, I think. Whatever it is. Yeah, something like that. Uh, You you have come out uh, trained. You're a trained professional. You have been practicing things. You've been honing your, your craft. You've been figuring out what you love. Right. And these are all transferable skills. Some of the skills are direct. Yeah. And some of them are transferable. Mm-hmm. Yet I find over and over again that women our age don't really appreciate the concept of transferable skills. Right. But you also, uh, and transferable, well, this is a skill, learning to learn. So, yeah. you know, I'm not just sitting there zipping through books with a highlighter, forgetting everything. Right. <laughs> Apply, you know, I'm applying it. I'm talking to people about it. I'm repeating it. I'm trying it. Like I know how to be a whatever, a kinesthetic learner. Uh, you know, I know how to learn now so much better. And <laughs> also it's a much easier time because anything you don't know, you just go to YouTube. <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. I always, <laughs> my kids are always reminding me of that. And I had Finally, I appreciate it because when I record these podcasts, there's technology and it's like (laughs) so scary sometimes when something changes, there's some setting that changes. I didn't change it. And then I remember my kid's voice in my head. Just Google it. I'm like, all right. All right. I don't really even know how to explain the problem. So I I Google it. I get the question in like one second. second. Yeah. And I fixed it myself. And I'm like, there you go. (laughs) I know. I love it. It does make you feel really good. I mean, I'm not sure we're more patient in midlife. (laughs) Like in some ways we are, in some ways we're, I'm way less patient in certain things, but yeah, for that. And I think, I think again, it's just, what do you want to feel? And I want to, my most important thing is to feel connected and, you know, playful. And so what I'm getting, and I think getting out of your own way, one of the things that being this age allows you is you're not 25 thinking by 30, I have to be a huge success. You get to go, you know what? I actually already did all these amazing things. I'm very proud of them. They're still out there online. And now I get to just enjoy. And also I don't have to work with anyone. I don't want to. Oh, that is really my favorite. (laughs) That's so good. That is so good. And you know, uh, working with a lot of um, people who have ditched corporate and wanting yeah. to uh, be an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's one thing we talk about. We're talking about, you know, well, who do you really want to work with on purpose? What what <laughs> niche are you going to define for yourself? Is that it's not like, you know, a doctor's office where you need to treat everybody that walks through the door. You can be very specific. Like I have carefully decided that I want to work with women. It's yeah. not that I don't like working with men, but I just really get excited about supporting women because women are so hard on themselves and don't see how amazing they are. And I just love being someone to help lift somebody. I know. I feel the same way. And, you know, I do these creativity retreats and improv comedy retreats that are self-helpy in nature Um, and not just teaching skills because that's what I love too. As you walk in, these people have never done this before. Nobody has. And they all come out going, Oh my God, I did that. And I learned about myself and I learned the way I work. It's so much fun. I, I love working with women. And I think they're also, um, it just, it feels more comfortable for them 
Yes. So, yeah. When Not to have a mixed. Cre- yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the creativity retreats. Um, I bring creativity into the Women in the Middle Academy, and I am such a firm believer on how important it is to, especially with the work I do, to help um, with present moment functioning, to help people mm-hmm. really focus and be present and, you know, get that giant never ending list out of your head and (laughs) just allow yourself to sink into it. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think creativity is so important? Yeah. So I use a couple of things. One is I, in the retreats, we use improv, but I also, like I was joking before, I learned to paint during the pandemic because I had nothing else to do. And it's one of the few places, um, I'm not in my head at all. And it's abstract, generally abstract. Um, I do encaustic and acrylic. And I think one of the things, if you can find something that actually automatically pulls you in to being present without your having to try, that's a great place to start. Some people find running, running's literally the opposite for me. I'm like, when am I going to stop? But you know, some people find it in a, a sport or playing with their kids yeah. or whatever it is. I think that... And all those things are creative. Raising children is creative. People don't think of it that way, but it is. And I think anything that just, um, if you can find something that allows you to get drawn in quickly without thinking about it, use that, practice it there. And then it'll roll more easily in all these other areas. I think the reason creativity makes you so present is because um, if you're conjuring something out of thin air, like a painting or a story or a song, or even just a conversation, your right brain is so engaged in that and that you can't be distracted. I mean, it just, it's very natural part of the process. And often you're using stimulus in the environment. So um, in improv retreats, I'll have, you know, I'll say, there'll be two people in a scene. And, and I'll say, okay, you're incredibly sad and you're paranoid. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're in the awful Oval Office, go. And because they're watching the other person and trying to react off of them, that forces them to be present. You're not thinking about your kids, what they're doing today. You're not thinking about your drive home from the retreat. You're like fully present because of the stimulus. And the other thing that creativity uh, allows for, and again, if you can give yourself this, um, it works, is some kind of constraint. So one of the games I always love to play when I do keynotes with a giant audience is write down five random words on a piece of paper, right? Like, you know, purple, jogging, um, zip line, whatever, five words. And then you hand that to the person next to you, like on their phone or whatever you swap. You tell a story that has to get those five words in there and they tell a different story with theirs. Sometimes we do it with hats on and stuff like that. But the stimulus draws you in because you're creating, but you're constrained. Because Susie, if I said to you right now, tell me a story, go. You'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know? Exactly. <laughs> but if I were like, tell me a story you know, about your Newfoundland dog getting uh, in trouble and, and trying to catch a rabbit when you were on vacation in Italy. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's a lot more constraint, but there's a lot more freedom to be creative because I've given you something to work with, which is feels like, a, I mean, uh, is a constraint, but feels more like an offering. Yes. So yeah. that's what I'm always looking for. And I think when people feel like oh, I couldn't be creative or you're looking at a blank page, starting to write your novel, like, 
Don't do that. Go for a walk, go to a museum, listen to a podcast, do anything to get your mind going um, or give yourself a rule. Like I have to, you know, get the word hot flash into the first paragraph, you know, (laughs) and then all of a sudden your mind, like I can just see by you smiling, like your mind is picturing, how would I do that? Or you start thinking about what hot flashes mean or whatever. Yeah, I love that. It is such a gift. Um, One of the things I I teach is mindful doodling using uh, structured uh, repeated patterns. It's called the Zentangle method. And I'm a teacher of that. And it is just so amazing to focus in such a small way um, on drawing a line that's parallel to the next line on or making sure that your circle or your orb looks like a circle. And it's amazing that when you slow down and really focus on just doing that thing, yeah, it's a way better result than when you're multitasking or rushing. Most of us are rushing to finish yeah, rather than allowing ourselves to just be present right. and experience the learning the skill. Yeah. Oh, I love that. At the moment. And I'm also so glad you mentioned encaustic. I also got lost with encaustic between the <laughs> smell of the beeswax yeah. and the color and the texture. Oh, it's yeah. just like, it reminds me of like the ooey gooey goodness of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just endless things you can do with it. I love yeah. different art forms where you can just keep adding a new um, bit. I'd love to see a little video on the Zentangle. That would be cool for you. Oh, sure. I teach it in the academy. I'll definitely, it's all over YouTube. It's all over YouTube. Yeah. It's a, it's amazing. I I was thinking about the multi, I have a song called the multitasking song and um, it's definitely one of my nemesis is multitasking and, and for everyone, nobody's creative. You don't remember what you think you do. You're not efficient, you know, everything like that. At the end of the song um, I'm singing at a piano, you know, in front of a big audience. And, and uh, at the end of the song, um, one of the other actresses comes in while I'm still playing the song and she has her dog. And she's like, will you, do, will you take my dog? I got to go do something. And so I'm trying to play piano and finish the song with the dog. And then another woman comes in and she's pregnant and she's like in labor. And she's like, you said you'd be my. <laughs> and so like all this chaos is happening. It's one of my favorite songs, but um, it's really, uh, it is the the killer of creativity for sure. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So I just want to mention, if you're interested in Zentangle, go to Zentangle.com. It's a trademarked art practice. I have this certification to be a teacher. Oh, and cool. it was, wow, that was so much fun to get that certification. Like it's way <laughs> better than university. <laughs> wow, I get to draw, I get to do this. Yeah, but I, I know exactly what you mean. Multitasking, we think we should wear, you know, get a badge for for multitasking <laughs> in such an amazing way, but it really does squelch creativity. There's no yeah. question about it. So the other thing that you mentioned in your notes here, and I really sensing this, is what it's like when you really like what you're doing. Like you talk about liking the art, the, the art of comedy, the art of theater that you were in for so long, but hating the field. <laughs> You know, and I had the same experience where I love what I was doing. I loved um, health and education and and promoting health and being clear and helping people make decisions, but I had just been doing it too long. So what's it like for you now to have different goals and just do stuff that you love? Yeah. Well, for the last 10 years, I mean, I, I, I have to remember that I actually have been avoiding the field and creating something our own way for most of my career. My husband and I 
built a, a small theater for 14 years that we ran and just picked whatever we wanted to do. We didn't have to go to auditions. And um, then Broad Comedy's been touring for 20 years. So that's not the field. We made a niche, you know, and we've been doing uh, fundraisers for all these different nonprofits and, you know, feeding my actors. <laughs> so, um, and, and not getting um, exactly rich in that way. But that's, that's the other thing that I think is interesting about being an entrepreneur is you figure out <clears throat> some of the things that you do for money and some that you don't. And I certainly do my keynote speaking for money. I love doing it, but it's also just easy, right? It's very easy. You show up, you do it, you go home. And then I go on tour with my cast, pay them well, but don't pay myself well. <laughs> and because we're doing it for nonprofits, but we've got six suitcases and all these things, but it's still not like what you'd call being on, touring normal national tour of something. You know, it's, we only pick and choose what we really care about and then creating these retreats you know and and i can if i get tired of teaching improv i can add art to it or i can bring someone in who's you know a dance movement person things like that i mean i think you've had so many different things you are attracted to doing too yeah and i think yeah people feel like you're supposed to do one thing stick with it stay and that was like three generations ago i don't know anyone who does that of course i live in new york but <laughs> well no, i'll tell you our my kids don't think like that anymore yeah Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it used to be something you were proud of if you got a full-time permanent position and you were there for 20, 25 yeah. years, uh, longevity was in. <laughs> and I remember when I finally got a full-time permanent job, I think it was in my fourth or fifth year of working after I finished school, um, going from contracts. And I, I thought I hit the jackpot and then it becomes the golden handcuffs because you have benefits yep. and you're comfortable and you have the longevity and, um, Maybe you're even in a union, but yeah, like you're not, you're, you're really on autopilot. You're very disconnected from your dreams and milestone birthdays are very helpful that way. Like on the one hand, we cringe when we turn 50 or 60. Some of us find it very jarring. Um, although I'm turning 60 next year and I'm not like, I am really working on creating some amazingness. I'm calling it six and 60. And there's going to be six interesting and or meaningful activities that happen on the ramp up. <laughs> so I've selected a couple of them now. And, um, and the first one, I challenged myself to really think about it. And it is the, it was so easy. Like, what do I really want to do that I've been waiting and holding my back from doing, holding myself back? And it's going back, revisiting a whale watch that I took 30 years ago. In yeah. San Ignacio Lagoon, in Baja, California, mm. Mexico, the peninsula. And um, it's not just a whale watch. It's like immersive. And it's the only place in the world that you can uh, have these friendly encounters with gray whales. And you live mm. in a tent in the middle of nowhere. And it's very exciting. So what I'm doing for fun and meaning is to incorporate that kind of creativity and excitement and fun into my work. So it. now it's a retreat. Yeah. And... It's just uh, so fun to challenge yourself that way and knowing that what's really important to you now is not the same thing that was really important right. to you before. And what you're searching for, not just what ranks on your list, but it's also more purpose and more fulfillment, yes. which is so common. But in <clears throat> midlife, that is really something that is oh, critical. It's critical. And if you don't have it, I mean, that was what was 
the worst of the pandemic was feeling like, God, I wish I were a nurse or something. You know, I felt just completely useless beyond just helping my family. Mm. But um, no, I think, and you know, one other thing that has been kind of interesting this past year, Tana, um, who runs my company with me, she's also in my comedy show. And I built an e-course this year um, uh, called The Improvised Life. And it's put, we put, what was meaningful about it was we took um, this whole certification program on that we did on how to teach, we taught people to create and build a creative retreat and then taught them how to build a business around it. So say somebody, in fact, one woman was a, um, a sort of theater person and a horse person. <laughs> and so she built this retreat in my program over four months on, you know, equestrian, creativity. It wasn't like horse whispering, but it was like, we're going to go ride and be present. And then we're going to go and do theater and be present or improv. That's amazing. She put like a self-help spin on it too. And I've had, I've had other people who are writers or painters or dancers who sort of combine their art with a a life coachy element and a retreat and then teaching them how to build this business, which, oh my God, Susie, I mean, we've been doing these marketing and entrepreneurship things for so long. I just don't want people to have to suffer like we did and learn it all from scratch. So (laughs) it was incredibly meaningful. It was one of, it was one of the things that just kind of kept me going was taking all of that and putting it in an e-course, knowing that there would be more creativity out there in the world because of that. So that's what felt. And also these people would call me in the middle of the course and be like, wait, I have a question. You know, I have this special situation. I'm like, oh, we can handle that. And then we just figure it out. And, you know, as a coach, I mean, that is just so satisfying. Yeah, it's very rewarding to very. to help people fly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really what what you're doing. Yeah, so good. Okay, so uh, what is your main lesson? Or you don't have to narrow it down to, to just one. From this process of being stuck, dealing with the pandemic, uh, knowing that you need to make a change, still feeling stuck, but moving forward anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I got motivated by honestly boredom and some depression. I mean, I think I was like, oh, this, this is not going to work. <laughs> you know, and I didn't want to just sit around waiting for theaters to open and conferences to start happening again. Um, and film kept going. Film and TV like skyrocketed, obviously, for obvious reasons during the pandemic. But also it's one of the things where you don't have to cancel a whole tour. You just wait five days till whoever's got COVID is better. Or you, you know, switch venues and it it's just it's a smaller group. You're not literally trying to get 800 people together in a room. So there was some of that that actually was helpful to motivate me. Mm-hmm. Um, but boredom, interestingly, like you said, what was the word you said? Um, it wasn't thriving. Um, it's the opposite of boredom. <laughs> stagnating? Thriving. What? The stagnating? Yeah, no, I, I think you were saying what you want now is to feel um, like engaged and to feel bored. Um, I don't mean just during the pandemic, but I mean in midlife. Oh, oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what did you say? It's a midlife slump? Oh, no. A funk, a funk. Funk, yes, that word. <laughs> we really just had a midlife me. minute together. I totally did. <laughs> but um, yeah, a funk is a, you're right. That is a better word. I mean, a, there's, I've had midlife crises where, you know, like a parent died or whatever, but 
or we moved or things like that. But this is a funk is in some ways for someone like me, who's a pretty go-getting motivated person, a crisis, you rally, right? Like when there's a crisis, you're like, okay, I know what to do. Here's the list. We're going to go do it. <laughs> but a funk is like, ugh. The <laughs> funk is here. I, I have one freebie. I call uh, defunkifying your midlife mood. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, because the problem with a funk is you don't know what to do. Right. And you don't know what you want. Right. It's like two parts. Like if there's a crisis, like you, you know what you want. You want to create more calm and comfort mm-hmm. and take care of your kids and yeah. take care of your loved ones and that kind of thing. But with a funk, first of all, it's about you and you. Yeah may not be comfortable putting yourself first, but you just don't even know what is going on. It's like, what right. do I want? I don't know. I haven't checked in with myself in 30 years. And <laughs> how do I move <laughs> forward? Well, I don't know what to do because I don't know what I want. So you end up just perpetuating the stuckness. And you mentioned boredom, which is also something really common. A lot of women book appointments with me because they feel blah. Right. They use the word blah. blah. And that's how I felt. Like I wasn't content why aren't I content? I don't know. Is this depression? Well, it wasn't depression when I was all funk- funky, when I was all funked up yeah. <laughs> for five years, but um, I was I was definitely f- off. I just thought I was off. That in the end, not being content and feeling off was, was the way it best sorted it out for me. Um, but yeah, it's just like we are resourceful yet we don't know how to, like, I've never been so stuck. And every book is like, let me help you find your passion. And I think what was really unhelpful about all of that was I already did my passion. I know what my passions are. And I think this is not out there as much. And I don't know, I want somebody who has a degree in psychology to actually (laughs) write this book, not me. But I think the, the thing was, it wasn't like, find your passion and everything will be all better. So I already had all the things I, I'm a creative. I know that I, but I think what actually worked for me was kind of like a routine of baby steps. So I was like, okay, girl, you're going to, we're going to just schedule out a week here and don't ask yourself if it's working and don't question it and don't stop. (laughs) And it was like, just pushing a train from a standstill takes so much more energy than one that's already rolling. And I was like, all right, we're just pushing this train out of the station. And it was like, it doesn't matter what you do in a way, you know? So I would do, you know, art in the morning. I would connect with somebody over the phone for lunch. I would start reading this little book on cinematography in the afternoon. And I try to go like see something at night. Let's say that was like a day and all of those things checked some box. And again, it was when I stopped asking if it was working or where am I headed? Like that is just a, that's a brutal one because we expect it to be crystal clear and for somebody to fold up the the roadmap to happiness and just hand it to us (laughs) with a bow, please. And (laughs) the thing is like, it's really, you were doing, with the baby steps, you just take something has to make sense. So you have to kind of understand what things, I don't know, what direction a little bit, not a lot, yeah, but a little bit. So there's lots right. of work to help do that right. kind of thing. I have a, uh, I have a really good worksheet that I'll put in the show notes 
about how to find your passion. And it's really a reflection of your past and really, really thinking about what lit you up, what gave you joy when you were in junior high. Yeah. What do you remember from elementary school that was Mm -hmm. a guaranteed good time? Was it your (laughs) friends? Was it an art project? Was it a teacher? Yeah. Um, And then be really curious about what it was that made you so happy. Like marching band made me so happy in high school. (laughs) It was one of the happiest times of my life. Why? So not just to say I love band, but to really think about it. It was being part of a team. It was being in an ensemble, working on my skill, getting some um, getting some notice for leadership. And I didn't love the performing as much as I did all the other stuff. I loved the performing if it was a large ensemble, a large band. But if it was something small, I didn't like the performing. I loved the jazz band performing, but I didn't. That's not really when I got excited. It was really the prep and the group and yeah. the work and well the synchronicity too. I mean, you're just when you're in a band the same way as a dance troupe, there's something that there's all these studies that have done what happens inside our brain when we're doing something synchronistic with mm. other people. So singing or music or dance, um, which is really interesting. And I feel that the minute I start with choreography and we're, you know, you feel uh, it's so exciting. Yeah, it's really neat. It's so exciting. So yeah. to really think about in this worksheet, it takes you through um, your life in a guided way. And then yeah. once you identify moments of joy, you want to be curious about them. And that is often a great place to start is how can I bring more of this into my life? Do I have any of this in my life anymore? Not mm-hmm. high school marching band, but music. Do I have enough music in my life? <laughs> in what ways do I have music in my life? Or that just goal. gets you started. Or something greater than yourself. I mean, I think that's why performing arts are so wonderful. Like they're one of the things that's really different between stand-up and theater. Uh, and I never really gravitated towards stand-up for this reason, is that in theater, intrinsically, the show is more important than each actor. And even though actors are known for being narcissistic, <laughs> the we all get that the show has to be good or, you, or it's a bummer. But with stand-up, it's just you. <laughs> and you're a little bit competing with everybody else in the night. You're not like all coming together. So that is one thing that I found that's really important. But it's also important for people to find that in some version, whether it's arts or it's even a non-creative thing. And you might find that just at work. If you're, you know, I, one of my people I coached was uh, uh, working for a solar company. But this solar company, she left because there was no cohesion I was like, but you're doing such great work. She's like, yeah, but everybody's a jerk and nobody is trying to help each other. They're all competing. And I was like, all right, go somewhere else. So, but it's, it does really matter um, no matter what you're doing that you feel like there is something bigger than you. And I think Mm. also the other thing, Susie, at this age, like I have this song called Halfway Closer to Dead. (laughs) And it's about, and I wrote it when I was 40, gosh, I wrote it when I was 40, like seven or something. And it needs a few updates now, but um, basically, you know, it's like, I know who I am. <laughs> I'm not willing to put up with garbage. Like there's just sort of a list that happens when you're a certain age that we're all kind of going through together. And I think the, so your values are changing. I mean, you talk about this all all the time, like what matters to a 25 year old and what matters to someone who's maybe, I don't want to keep harping on having kids because you don't have to have kids to feel this, but who's already kind of, you know, I'm empty nesting and has already done that. It's just such an incredible 
shift about, and you have it's to check it and go, what's meaningful? Which- yeah. What's meaningful now at this point in time mm-hmm. of my life and everything. Yeah. And the other thing you hinted at that I think is so important is that you don't need to know where you're going to end up. You just need to take the next best step right. that makes the most sense with the data have you have right now about what you want. Yes. And, and, and having that is. courage. Yeah. Say that again. That's what improv is. I mean, that's yes. the whole reason I use improv as a, a tool for life, as opposed to just, you know, teaching improv. I mean, I think what's so fascinating about it is if you think you know where it's going, you're only going to screw up the scene if you hold on to that goal mm-hmm. that you want so much. You know, I'm in this scene and we're pretending we're searching for a treasure and it's going to be on that pirate ship in my mind. But if my partner or the scene or the audience or whatever takes it in a different direction and it's suddenly about sharks riding sharks you have to go there or you're going to be fighting it the whole time and it won't be funny and i or interesting and you won't be a good partner and i think that's what's so hard is you give up the goal and you give up the goal you have so it's like martha beck says you know you have a they um the sailors used to guide by the north star but they never thought they were going to get to the north star (laughs) (laughs) i always know you're right and it's really again it's that present moment functioning so if you can just be in the moment and feel amazing that this makes sense right now yes that is an amazing place to start um the other thing that you mentioned that i didn't want to just keep just move past so quickly is getting a mentor in the field that you want Yes. Um, so oh, important. Yeah. So important. And um, how did you find the mentor you're working with now? So interesting. I I mean, it's that's not interesting, but finding <laughs> <laughs> he was he our kids went to school together and he is a cinematographer who's just constantly between things as one is uh, when you freelance. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot this for you. And I was like, what? Why would you do that for free for me? Like he was going to do it for free. He knew I didn't have a budget beyond the actors. And um, he was like, oh, I'd love to show you. Well, he turns out to be a teacher archetype, not a bad mentor, somebody who's already a teacher or professor, but he teaches like once a week at a university. But he loves our stuff. He loved broad comedy as material. And I think he just wanted to be a part of it. And I have to keep going, wait a second. I did the same thing too. There's these two young women, they're comedy <laughs> dancers. I volunteered to help them with their creating their show. I never wanted anything from it. I just exactly. Like, Guess, what? Guess what? Guess what? People yeah. love being mentors. It feels good. Like this is something <laughs> in midlife that comes up so much. Yep. That this is a transferable skill that we have the ability to help other people in things that we know really well. And it's the, it's feeding feeding the meaning and purpose. Absolutely. Which I think people just, you have to remember that people want to help you and it's totally okay. And if they don't, they won't like, don't worry about it. Just ask. And if they're like, Oh, I don't really have time. Then be like, KKK. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So good. So good. So I want to just close by uh, something you wrote on your, some, your notes here, as we're, we're preparing, really ask your ego why you're afraid. Not much out there that we are afraid of that will actually harm us. I just love that. Thank you. Yeah. It's It's true. I have to remember it too. (laughs) It's so true. So if you would like to get a hold of Katie Goodman, just head over to katiegoodman.com and you can find contact information and all the things 
that you're up to and that you're curious about in life and that you're, you know, the ways you make people laugh and be more creative. It's so good. Katie, thank you so much for everything today. It was wonderful to have you on the Women in the Middle podcast. So good to talk with you and see you again. I'm glad you're doing so well. (laughs) Okay, that's it for this episode. So much good stuff. I know, right? I love how Katie knew that she needed something to change and she just might have to be scared and do it anyway. We want and crave certainty, but it just doesn't work like that. (laughs) That's not real life. Taking the next best step forward is a pretty great plan. The other thing that really stands out from Katie's experience feeling funky (laughs) is to notice boredom with a curious eye. She found boredom to be incredibly motivating, and I find that so interesting. And one more thing I loved about this interview is the reminder to appreciate what your age and experience has given you, what you created with it. Your goals are likely quite different than they were a couple of decades ago. So check in with your amazing self and notice what you've got, what you're amazing at, and how you can apply it to your life in a different way. Okay, that's it for this episode. As you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. If you want to find out more about how to get unstuck and live your best life in the middle, Make sure to watch my free midlife training at www.midlifevideo.com and you'll get immediate access to some pretty great info about the secret sauce to midlife happiness. If you're ready to change your life and learn the skills to unstick yourself with some masterful coaching, a top-notch curriculum, an infusion of creativity, and a warm, fun, and awesome community of like-minded women, let's chat. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and find that thing you're looking for so that you can create your happy. So let's talk about it. Please grab your spot on my calendar. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. You can also DM me on my Facebook business page, which is at The Midlife Coach. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 274. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.